You're listening to a sermon from the preaching and teaching ministry of First Presbyterian Church, Covington, Tennessee. Our mission is to proclaim Christ's kingdom through word and deed. You can learn more about us at 1pc-covington.org or join us for worship at 403 South Main Street, Covington, Tennessee. Our scripture reading today comes from John chapter 6, page, uh, verses 16 through 21, which can be found on page 891 of your pew Bible. As you turn there, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the Scriptures are read and your Word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. When evening came, His disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But He said to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take Him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. Word of God for the people of God. A few years ago, there was an article in the Atlantic about the coddling of the American mind, and has since then um, become a book. But it talked about how um, uh, on a lot of campuses, there are safe spaces and trigger warnings, and just talked about how um, a society that's becoming more and more protective of um, people's you know, viewpoints and, and not wanting to have something that disagrees with them, how that is actually bad, you know, that, that we don't get used to the idea of uncomfortable ideas or folks that contradict us. And I, I think that's part of a kind of a, a, a bigger um, thing going on in our society where we kind of tell people that any discomfort is bad, that anything that might make you question or reevaluate is actually harmful. And we, we kind of protect people just not physically and emotionally to the point that we kind of say you can't handle um, discouragement. And, and part of all that is almost this sense of this, this big idea story that if your life is anything less than the wonderful pleasure and comfort that we see in Hollywood movies, there must be something wrong. That, that if, if your life is anything other and um, joyous and just wonder, then you're doing something wrong or someone is harming you. And I think a lot of the outrage that, that is surrounding us is just this idea that we've kind of bought into this idea that life should be easy. Life should be wonderful. That anything I set my heart on, I should have. And any kind of discouragement or anything coming against me is a sign of someone harming me, me doing something wrong, or God's displeasure. But the truth is, life isn't easy. Life is always difficult. Life has obstacles, and pain is part of life. Discouragement and disappointment is something we all face, and it's the way life is. There's, there's just a realization that these are the things that we, we go through if we live. Um, some of y'all might have heard 
um, I think there was a, a news story this past week about Kenneth Copeland getting his uh, new $54 million private jet to do God's work in. Um, we'll have something on the agenda in the session meeting later. Just, you know, a small plane doesn't have to be a jet. I don't, I'm not looking for luxury. Just, um, <laughs> um, but Kenneth Copeland is one of those who teaches a health and wealth prosperity gospel that buys into the American dream. That if your life is not what it ought to be, then you need Jesus. And if you get Jesus, you will have health and wealth and pleasure and comfort. And it is also part of the blasphemous lies of our culture. Here is what the scripture says. The disciples have gotten to a boat. They're pursuing Jesus. And as they do, they face darkness and they face the chaos of rough waves. Darkness and rough winds and waves, whatever your situation, you read this and you know exactly what it's talking about because we all face darkness. We all face times when we're confused, we can't see clearly what to do next, we have competing priorities and we, we have to make a decision or we feel like there's any decision to make and we just don't know enough. We don't know what's going to happen. And there's things around us that are just clouding our vision and it's dark. John tells us it's dark. Jesus has not come yet because it's always dark outside of the presence of the light of the world. Oh, there's darkness that everyone faces in life. And you know what those waves are. You've all experienced the rough winds that are blowing and stirring up these waves. Maybe for you, it's been a phone call, a doctor's report, a letter from someone, bills that just continue to pile up. When life seems out of control because you have no say in the matter, it's just happening to you. It's those waves that come up and flood the boat. Obstacles in your life of something you think is right, you're pursuing Jesus, you want to do what's good, doesn't mean it's all smooth and easy. Obstacles arise. Opponents come up and life seems to be just throwing you back and forth and side to side. You don't know where the next blow is coming from. You feel like you're in a boat and you're just hanging on for dear life and it seems to be sinking. What is your darkness? What are the rough winds and waves in your life? I mean, I, some of it's very obvious. We pray, we know, we see the, the winds and the waves you're going through. Some of you are facing darkness and waves that in this room only you and God know about, but you're still facing them. And maybe you're trying to put on a brave face. <laughs> maybe you're just stunned and going through. Maybe it's not currently now that you're facing wind and waves and darkness but if you live long enough, you're about to go through. We're all going to face them. It's part of life. 
even for his disciples. Isn't that something? It's not this idea that here's the boat and everything's wonderful and those, those other people on the shore are having the difficulties. It's his disciples, those whom Jesus has called, he's loved. You remember what's going on in this story is Jesus has just fed 5,000 and they were saying, this is wonderful. A guy who can just, you know, produce food. That, that's really good. And they were going to take Jesus and make him king. And so Jesus is going to have nothing to do with that. And he leaves and he goes off by himself. And the disciples are, well, we need to find Jesus. So they get back the boat to go across to Capernaum where Jesus has been staying. And they're going to go and they're going to be Jesus. And they're rowing and, and they're in the darkness. And they're in the waves as they are pursuing to be where Jesus abides, where Jesus dwells. His disciples are not exempt. In fact, it's, it's, it seems to be rougher for them who are looking for Jesus. I mean, they, they want for what is truth, not just to provide the food, but, you know, the people on the shore, I mean, they're around campfires, cuddled, nice, restful. And his disciples are the ones being thrown about in the waves. And then they see Jesus walking on the waves. And this is when it says they're frightened, as you would be. Who can do that? Who, who can walk on the waters? And then he says, it is I, do not be afraid. This story reveals something to us about who Jesus is, and it also shows something about who, um, what Jesus does and the way he does it. Now, I think one of the things that we're seeing here and why the story is brought to light here is this is a, a contrast between the idea of taking Jesus and making him their king. I, I think this shows something about why Jesus is refusing that. But it's also telling us more about who Jesus is. John wants us to know him so that we can trust him and have life in his name. And so let's look at the story with the idea of who is Jesus? Who does John want us to see Jesus as? Now, we've been working through the gospel. Have you, have you picked up on the theme of water in John's gospel yet? It seems to be popping up in every story. Here is one who baptizes not with water, but with the Holy Spirit. His first sign is to take the water of purification and turn them into wine of a new covenant rejoicing. He is greater than the ritual purity of the Mosaic economy. He is meeting a woman at the well and he's telling her, I have this water of, that just springs up to life. If you come to me and you ask for water, it's much greater than this well that Jacob gave to you. And then he goes and he heals a man um, who has been outside of a pool waiting to be healed. And he's showing that he's greater than this healing pool where it had no power to heal the lame. Jesus, with a mere word, heals this man. He is greater than all of these things. And now he steps on the waves and walks towards the boat. And I hear those words from William Cooper's wonderful hymn, God moves in a mysterious way, his wonders to perform. He plants his feet upon the sea and rides upon the storm. He comes to them in this. He is the one who is Lord even over the sea. The chaotic waves are merely 
a place for him to walk out to his people. He is the one who has made the earth and the sea, all that is in them. All things were made through him and nothing was made that was not made through him. He is Lord of even this chaotic ocean, this or this chaotic sea. Um, I, it is me, <laughs> it is me, don't be afraid. But, but the words themselves are, I am. It is I, I am, which is the words that God revealed himself to in the burning bush. Say, I am sent you. Jesus is taking the divine name to say, I'm God. I'm the one who spoke to Moses, the one who created all things. Don't be afraid. He is almighty God. Well, we... Um, we saw a lot of kind of regal stuff in England and Scotland. We saw crowns. We saw um, everything with Queen Elizabeth's initials on them. There was a lot of majesty and splendor. We went to Buckingham Palace and um, you know, just lots of guards and gold and all this regal stuff. Being a king, being a queen, it is majestic. It would be wonderful. It's kind of amazing if, if they had taken Jesus and put a crown on his head and said, you reign, you're king of the Jews, you're king of Judea. He would have commanded armies. He would have had a right to all things. But it would not be recognizing his true glory. It would be less than who he really is. I mean, the, the greatest wonders of this world would not recognize that he absolutely is God. And he comes to them not as a king, but as a God, made the heavens and the earth. And because of who he is, they gladly receive him into the boat, and immediately they're on the other side. Not only does he show to us who Jesus is, but he shows to us what Jesus does and how he does it, because Jesus comes to them and brings them to where they need to be, safely and securely. But notice, Jesus doesn't do this by shining a bright light on them and causing the waves to cease. Not here. Here, he comes to them. He doesn't stop everything. There's no mention of uh, those things ceasing. He comes to us in our darkness. He comes to us in our chaos and waves. He comes to us in the storm. Nor does Jesus just stand on the shore and shout encouragement. Good job. Keep up the good work. A little bit to your right. He's not just giving advice and direction. He's not just telling them what to do. He gets in the boat with them. He comes to be part of what they're going through. He gets into the boat with his disciples and brings them safely to where they need to be. He became flesh dwelt among us. He enters into our life with all the difficulties and all the darkness, and he is God with us. And ultimately, he faced the greatest darkness and the greatest storm that we face, sin and death and judgment. If you're facing darkness and storms of life, do not take it in any way as God's displeasure or that you've done something wrong or someone's out against you or you're being paid back. Don't buy into the lies that pleasure and comfort are signs of ultimate good. 
dead. For Jesus himself entered into the darkness of hell. He is overwhelmed with the floods of judgment for us. He is in the boat with us, his people. And if you've not received him gladly, it can be fearful to look on one who is as great as him and to say, I'm willing to open up and have you as part of my life. I'm, I'm willing for you to see the true darkness and the things that no one else knows. But with gladness, receive him and trust him. For he is powerful, but he is powerful enough to save you and to bring you where you need to be. Trust in Jesus, whatever you are facing. He is almighty God and he is with you, whatever you face, and he will safely see you to the shore. There is a hope that stands the test of time, we sing, that lifts my eyes beyond the beckoning grave to see the matchless beauty of a day divine when I will behold his face, when sufferings cease and sorrows die and every longing satisfied, then joy unspeakable will flood my soul for I am truly home. He will bring you safely to the shore. Let us pray. Lord God, we for those who are facing darkness and overwhelming waves, Help us to have compassion and love and grace. Lord, we trust you that you are with us. You are truly working all things for good. And that there's nothing that we face that Christ did not face in his suffering and pain. Make your presence with us um, something we know and feel and help us to um, receive you with gladness and to face whatever we face, knowing that you are God over all. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. And you've been listening to a sermon from the preaching and teaching ministry of First Presbyterian Church, Covington, Tennessee. Our mission is to proclaim Christ's kingdom through word and deed. You can learn more about us and listen to other sermons at onepc-covington.org or join us for worship at 403 South Main Street, Covington, Tennessee.